Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Okay, we have the pleasure of hearing Bon this morning, so we will uh, just pray for her. Lord Jesus, thank you for Bonnie. Thank you for what you are doing in her heart, Lord Jesus. And thank you for what you have given her to bring to us today. And we pray, Lord, that you would just speak through her, Lord, and that we would receive. And you would be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Excellent. Oh, can I tell you, you guys fill my heart with such joy. (laughs) Firstly, because walking into this auditorium and seeing so many seats filled, we love you guys online, we we, we really do, and um, we wish you could all be with us today. But it's just such a joy to see God's house being filled with his people. Um, You know, like Steve said, we're a church that really believes that God speaks to and through all of us, and um, it's just so fabulous to hear God's word through everyone this morning and what he's saying, and I particularly felt, this isn't what I'm talking on, but I just particularly felt, uh, and I know I'm going to get myself into trouble, so just hear the heart, not the words, that I wanted to encourage some of our older folk this morning. Um, I just really felt reminded that Moses was 80 years old when he stepped into what God had for him, what God had created him to do from before he was born. And I just felt to say, like, I mean, I love Bernie. I could sit with Bernie and just listen to him pray and have him pray over me and just the the depth and the, the maturity and the intense love of God. And I want to encourage some of our older folk, you guys carry this wealth in you, this depth and this richness. And and we as the the next generation and then the next generation, the next generation coming up, we need you to impart that, to pray it over us, to speak it over us to pass it down from generation to generation. And I know so many of you do already, but I just, I just felt to encourage you to keep going. And for those of you who maybe feel a little bit like, I think I've passed my sell-by date, the Lord says there is no sell-by date until the very end. So um, anyway, that was a freebie. Uh, take it or leave it, but... That's what I sensed. So we are continuing our series uh, this morning on turning points. And if you've been with us over the last three or four weeks, we have been going through stories in Scripture that um, look at a transition time or a point of change in uh, the story of God. And what we've been looking at is kind of where's God been in that? What are some of the things we can learn from those situations and those stories? Um, and so this week, we are going to be looking at the story uh, of the Exodus. 
Now, we're actually going to be looking at one very small part of that story. It's a very specific section of that story. Um, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a long passage, so I'm not going to read all of it. But if you'd like to open your Bibles at Exodus chapter 13, I'm just going to read a few verses um, as we kick in. So Exodus 13 from verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of his people. And then chapter 14, 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. So we're in this, um, in the part of the story of God's people where they have been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And um, they've been oppressed by the Egyptians. And God has sent a deliverer in the form of Moses. And he, we all know those, the story and the song, Let My People Go, you know, Pharaoh, Moses, bit of a standoff. Uh, and uh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he keeps saying no. And eventually, uh, after 10 plagues and, and sort of horrendous things happening, Pharaoh eventually says, okay, go, just go. And so we pick up the story where the people of Israel are just leaving. Now, um, the amount of people that we're talking about, just as we try to visualize what's going on, is about, they say about 2 million people. Scripture records about 600,000 men, and so that doesn't include women and children. So they think about 2 million people. And um, I was just trying to think of what it must have felt like to leave the only home you had ever known. I think sometimes we read the story and we go, yep, they must have just been so happy to get out of there. It would have, you know, they would have just dropped everything, done everything and run out and never looked back because who wouldn't want to leave slavery? But, but I've been reminded as I've been reading this passage is that this was their home. They would have built their homes. They would have had memories in their homes. That was where so-and-so was born, and that was where they did their first walk, and you know, that was where we had this thing as a community that we all shared in. And so there would have been so many memories. And, and I imagine for some people leaving Egypt, 
There might have been real grief. Real grief of leaving what they have known. Even though they knew it wasn't good, and even though they knew they were following what God was calling them to, I think for some there was a grief and a fear and uncertainty. I imagine there was also joy, great joy and anticipation. And, you know, as I think about that, I think, well, I feel like that's just a real reflection of life, isn't it? We kind of tend to have these two. <laughs> it's just the joy and the sorrow, the joy and the celebration that we have in life and new birth and the exciting things we see running straight alongside grief and fear and uncertainty. And um, it just reminds me that there's nothing new under the sun. You know, God has walked the Israelites through all these things and he will walk us through those times um, when, when we are feeling that. So, so two million people leaving the exodus, leaving out of Egypt. And um, they come and they find themselves stuck. Because what eventually happens is that Pharaoh wakes up and he goes, oh my gosh, we've just let our whole labor force go. What are we going to do? And he sends chariots after them. And um, God, in his wisdom, led the Israelites a certain way. We'll come back to that in a minute. Led the Israelites a certain way, which made them or took them to a place where they felt stuck. And so you f we find them in this part of the story, in the space between uh, Pharaoh's armies coming and a massive sea. And there just seems to be no way out. There just doesn't seem to be anything. And, I, you know, it's funny, I've been asking the Lord all week, Lord, what is the one thing you want to say this morning? Or what is the one thing you want to draw out this morning? And who, who specifically do you want to speak to? And he's been silent all week, which wasn't helpful for my nerves. But um, this morning, in his faithfulness, somebody reminded me, well, he probably just wanted to keep you, you know, talking with him and asking him and relying on him, which is probably right. Um, but this morning, I felt God say, some people are feeling stuck. Just like the Israelites are stuck. Whether it's in your life situation, whether it's around a relationship, whether it's around a job, whether it's around unforgiveness, whether it's around hurt, whether it's, it's just something that you feel stuck in. And you're kind of standing in this place and you feel like the armies are coming behind you, but you feel like there's a big ocean in front of you. And so I just felt like this story was for you this morning. There are times in our lives where we feel stuck, where we struggle to see what God is doing. We feel like we're following him. We feel like we're doing what he's asking us to do. And then we suddenly get to the space and we're like, this is not how I thought it was going to pan out, God. And we can feel like, I can't even see where to go next. You know, it's all very well people saying, well, just ask, you know, just do the next thing in front of you. I feel like for some people, they're like, I don't even know what that next step in front of me is. And I imagine this is what the Israelites felt. I imagine that the Israelites were going, what is this next step? 
Like, and so this morning, I just want to explore a little bit of that through a few of the different people in this situation. I think when we step out into something new and into change, um, and we feel like we get to this stuck place, um, just like the Egyptians, okay? The Egyptians suddenly realized that God's people were free. The Egyptians suddenly realized that the thing that they had kind of feared might happen had actually happened. And um, it's really interesting because, like, like I said, Pharaoh's response is very much like, oh my goodness, we've just let these guys go. And I felt like uh, God was saying that this is very much what the, the, the enemy is like. The enemy doesn't like it when we step into the freedom and when we step into the change that God has for us or the next thing that God has for us. He doesn't like it when we step out and we step um, out from under the slavery that he has put us under. And, you know, the Egyptians wanted... In fact, I imagine the Egyptian army, as they were coming down, were going, oh, fantastic, we've got them. Why didn't they go that way? You know, they could have got out, but they've just got themselves stuck. Wonderful. And in fact, there's a, there's a part where God says to Moses, he gives Moses a little bit of instruction in, um, it's 14, 1 to 3. And he says, we're going to go here into this place because Pharaoh will think that the Israelites are wandering around in confusion. I like that. God, you know, God's kind of holding this whole thing in his hands. And so the Egyptians come and they're like, oh, we've got these guys. Fantastic. They're stuck. They've got nowhere to go. They're hopeless. Excellent. And I feel like the enemy does that with us. He goes, you are stuck. It is hopeless. There is no getting out of this. And it's a lie. It's a lie that he uses to completely um, to make us freeze and to make us stop and to take our eyes off Jesus and to take our eyes off God. When God moves us through things, even when they doesn't feel like there's a way out, we are not stuck. We are usually just waiting, which sometimes feels like we're stuck, but it's slightly different. It's interesting as you look at the Israelites in this, and I, it's so funny because, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I read this passage and I get a little bit judgmental on the Israelites. You know, because we hear them go, why did you lead us here, Moses? Why did you bring us here? Were there not enough graves in Egypt, you know, that we have to die out here? Much better if we could just go back. And I mean, it's not even been that long, guys. Like, really? And you're already wanting to go back. And it's interesting, isn't it, what uncertainty and fear does in us. 
Now, I realize the more I read this passage, the more like the Israelites I realize I really am. It's really easy when you know what the road ahead looks like. I am a planner by nature. Ask any of my friends. I do planning years in advance and months in advance. I just love it. It gives me life. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. That's fine. My friends are laughing at me right now. I can see. <laughs> um, and so I love it. Absolutely love it. The danger is, is that God doesn't always work that way. And often he is wanting to build a trust in us. And often he is maneuvering other things so that his glory can be shown. And so he doesn't give us the whole picture. And so it can feel like he's, ab he's abandoned us or he's not there and that he's left us. And sometimes our inclination is to go, well, actually, back there was much better. I'd like to go back to where I was before. At least I know what that looked like. At least, even though I was super anxious and I was fearful, at least I know what that looked like. At least I know what that meant. At least I know who I was in that situation. You know, walking out into the unknown and walking into that, that place of change and freedom with God means we don't always know what it looks like at the end. And there's a trust that God is building with his people. But it's hard sometimes. Just picture yourself in that moment. We know the rest of the story. We know what happens we know right to the end um, to when Jesus came. But right in that moment, two million people standing there. I mean, anyone who's traveled with children will know that it is not the great joy all the time and that people are hungry and tired. And actually, adults get hungry and tired too when you travel, don't we? You can imagine that. Put yourself in that situation, this massive sea. A big army. I feel like this was the moment. That, that is the moment. That very moment that you feel stuck. That very moment just before deliverance comes. That is the moment that there is a new trust and a new stepping out. As we choose to trust God, that is where that is sown. We learn to trust him in a new way. We learn to lay things down. And we promise to, to not go back to the old ways, but we keep pushing forward. I think the star, the star character, the person in this whole story, um, unsurprisingly, is God. As I read through this passage, you just see God present all over the place in so many different ways. You know, right at the beginning of the passage we read, we hear that God very intentionally sends the Israelites where he sent them. Because he knew that they might change their mind. Well, he knew they were already, that that was already a temptation for them. You know, God isn't 
um, surprised by your doubt. God isn't surprised when you just go, that's it, I'm done. God knows, totally knows. And, and I'm, I kind of sat for just for a little while thinking about this verse. Wow, God, you didn't take them the shortcut because you knew that they would encounter battles that were beyond where they are right now. Yet taking them and having them be stuck in this place between the ocean and an army, you knew that they had the capacity for that. Now, I know I, I, I tread lightly as I say this, because I know that sometimes we carry burdens that feel and we carry situations that feel more than we can handle. And I want you to hear my heart that this isn't a, you need to be able to cope with everything. It's not my heart. But I think as I've come to know the Lord more and more, I realize he does know our capacities and our capabilities. And he is leading us in the way that he knows is best for us. Sometimes that is very hard to see. But God sees everything and he sees what could have been or what might have been, which we don't see. The next thing we see about God's presence and him being there very tangibly is the pillar of fire um, and the cloud. Like that is just God's very visual very tangible presence. And I know that we're off, often when we're in this space where we're stuck, it can be hard to say. I mean, I love, love, interesting word. I so appreciate that there they are. They can see the pillar. They can see it, God's presence. And they're still going, we need to go back. There's no hope here. God's very presence is with them. And I think that reassures me that when I can't see God's presence, it's still there. Like, God is okay. If I'm like, God, I can't see you anywhere. It doesn't mean he's not there. He's very much present with us. And I just, I love that. And the other thing that we see is this incredible miracle that God brings, seemingly at the very last moment. I don't know about you, but God often seems to work at the 11th hour, certainly not the clock or the time that I have. I would, I would work much more efficiently than that. <laughs> but God, God I, you know, I realize, is he is maneuvering so many things around. You know, in the waiting where they did and the enemy being so close behind them, even though that period was so hard, the enemy was destroyed. Because of that, as soon as uh, the Red Sea was parted and the Israelites went across, the enemy came through. The enemy was destroyed. God was waiting and maneuvering things into the right place at the right time so that he could be glorified and bring his glory. You know, sometimes... Like I said, we can feel stuck where we are. And it can feel hopeless. And we might want to turn back. But God is always present. 
He's always doing something. And my sense is he's calling us to be a people that keep going, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where do you want us to be? And to grow and build that trust with him and in him. I think I'm going to um, stop there. And I'd love us just to spend a little bit of time just waiting on the Lord and hearing what he has to say to us. So why don't you stand and join me online if you um, uh, want to join us as well. That'd be fantastic. But we're just going to wait and allow the Spirit to just speak to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you come and speak to our hearts now? We open our ears and our eyes to hear and see what you're doing. I know sometimes this sort of space can feel a bit uncomfortable. And, but I sense that the Lord just wants us to push in a little bit this morning. As I was speaking and as I started talking about being stuck, I feel like for some of you, something popped into mind straight away. And I just feel like that's, for some of you, you just dismissed it, and you were like, no, that's not a big deal, or no, 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 that's not really, that's not really it. And I just sense the Lord saying, no, that was it. Just want you to sit with that for a little while, and let me speak into that. sense for some of you that um, you're waiting for that miracle and you so get the feeling of those Israelites standing at the 
at the ocean and seeing the enemy approaching from the other side. And it feels like the miracle has been long in coming. But I feel like the Lord says he sees you. His presence is there. He wants you to hold on to him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You can just see the Spirit moving and speaking. Thank you, Lord. The last thing that I sensed was that there's some who um, are in that space where they want to go back. And they want to go back. They know it's not the best place for them to be, but they can't because they can't see a way forward. And I felt like in that space there's possibly um, unforgiveness or shame or fear that the Lord wants to heal in that space. That you know that back isn't the way you want to go, but for you can't see a way forward. Just right now, if that's you, I would just ask you to ask the Lord to show you what it is that's, that's holding you or drawing you back. Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it unforgiveness? And to have that conversation with him. <laughs>